I'm Cadence. And I'm Jess. And this is Busy Body Podcast. Busy Body Podcast? <laughs> What's that? I would say it's the new evolution of Real Fit Podcast, if you've been listening to that podcast. Um, obviously, we were on some hiatus. And then Jess and I have already been having really interesting conversations after class. Jess is a longtime client here at Brooklyn Strength. Um, we also just moved both studios into one studio on a lovely, uh, space in a lovely space on the waterfront here in Brooklyn Heights. So now I have more time to devote to other projects. And I said to Jess, would you like to help record this project and just turn our conversations into delightful content? (laughs) And I said, I'd be honored. (laughs) Um, What's Brooklyn strength? It's a Pilates and wellness studio in Brooklyn owned by myself. Mm. And we have lovely teachers here, and we teach privates and classes and workshops mm. and host this podcast. Wow. Um, so you're a boss. You, you're a small business owner. I am a small business boss, for reals. Right. So That's- part of this podcast, I think, is about discussing how to live and exist in your body when you're really busy. Exactly. And as a small business owner... Even a small business owner who's so focused on fitness. I have a busy body. You have a busy body. Exactly. Um, And hopefully we're looking at the balance between all of these influences that we have from Instagram influence of magical, perfect meditating and yoga on a sunset beach somewhere um, to just city influence of go take a class every single day that makes you barely be able to crawl out of the studio um, and find some middle place where we can discuss how to have an actual body that functions for you every day, uh, that serves all your busy purposes. Um, also tell us a bit about yourself, Jess. Sure. What are you bringing to the table? Yeah, I am Jess. I live in Brooklyn like you and I am a journalist and I started coming to Brooklyn Strength. I want to say it was like 2015 that sounds about right yeah we opened in 2014 the second studio yeah so 2015 and I had never been interested in fitness in my entire life I'd been a sort of actively hating fitness um I hated PE like in school uh in high school when I needed to take a PE credit I joined the badminton team (laughs) (laughs) Which I'm sure you. I'm amazed that they were teaching that. Yes, we actually had like an Olympic badminton um, uh, former competitor as our teacher, as our coach. You must be amazing at badminton. I was at one point in my life, yes. Um, But that's how much I was sort of like avoiding the traditional, like running track or you know. I grew up in Arizona, so there was a lot of swimmers. Um, but anyway, I, I didn't like, I hate, I hate running. I, um, I never really found a consistent routine. You know, I would always look at like the magazines or blogs. They'd have like the 10 minute workout you should be doing every day. Um, or I think like the New York times even has one that's like the seven minute workout. Yeah. Um, I would always like try and incorporate those into my daily life and it just never stuck. And it wasn't until I started coming to Brooklyn Strength that I really found a way to bring fitness into my life in a way that was productive for my body and made me happy and healthy. What initially brought you in? 
I'm kind of a sheep. <laughs> and so I remember there was a New York Times story about yeah. about your studio. And uh, and and the philosophy behind what you were doing was really interesting to me because it was a lot about um being being in your body and exercising in a way that is unique to you as a person. Mm-hmm. Is that what how you would describe? Like, yeah, I mean, working on the body that you have to yeah. be the best body that you would have as opposed to trying to transform you into someone else's body. I remember we collaborated before uh, for a piece by Refinery29. Oh, no, it was... It was, was it? Oh, it was well and good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember you saying that taking class made you realize that it was okay to take up space basically. Cause a lot of times I talk in class about like reach all the way out through your whole body, like mm-hmm. get wider, get taller and that we never talk about getting wider, but our stability is our width and fill up your space. And that, that as a tall person, you suddenly were like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Instead of like slouching or trying to make yourself smaller to fit around other people, you were like, Oh, I should fill up my whole body. Yeah. I think I had always sort of trained myself to look shorter mm-hmm. in particular, like, especially like in photos, like I always know how to like arrange myself, like sort of slide my hips over, slide one foot forward to mm-hmm. like be on the level with everyone else. <laughs> and I still do that to some extent, but, um, my body started to feel so much better when I was using it to its full capacity yeah. and like, and, and like letting my spine, um, move vertically yeah instead of sort of hunching over yeah that was my biggest when I started working out I felt like the biggest um adjustment that you would give me and other teachers would give me would be to stop hunching my shoulders up mm-hmm. I still think about that a lot mm-hmm. cool well that brings us to a bit of what we're gonna talk about in these episodes which is a little bit how to approach a lot of daily activities mm-hmm to feel better in our bodies Mm -hmm. as well as answer some listener questions, Mm -hmm. which you can submit to us on our Instagram, busybodypod. At busybodypod. At busybodypod. The youngsters telling me how to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh yeah. And you, you're on top of the tweet situation. Yes. There's also a Twitter busybodypod Twitter. Yeah. So you can uh, message Jess or I with your yeah. questions and we will answer them in later episodes. Yeah. Um, but first we thought that the, the best how to, to start off the busy body podcast is talking about something we do every day, but a lot of people do incorrectly. And I don't want to say incorrectly in a way that like passes judgment on people. Exactly. Inefficiently. Inefficiently, but in ways that, ultimately causes your body pain true which is sitting exactly so the scourge of our existence yeah let's talk about how to sit yeah first of all sitting is an invention i think we should remember that uh as human animals we're basically uh bipedal hairless apes so what does bipedal mean walking on two legs okay so we would naturally squat. Um, And there are plenty of cultures all over the world where people still squat and don't use chairs unless they are in like an office setting. But like if you're 
a Thai fisherman, you're probably squatting on the side of your boat or your dock and potentially cleaning your fish and all that stuff. You're not going to pull up a chair. Um, and interestingly, I think uh, last time I checked this factoid, Japan is the only quote-unquote first world country that doesn't have the back problems that plagues other quote-unquote first world countries because it's still very um, popular to to squat, you know, just at the bus stop waiting for the subway in your home. Um, so even if you're a businessman working 80 hours a week, just like anybody in London or New York City, their back health is much better because they are moving into that position, which in order to deeply squat, you have to have flexible hamstrings, flexible feet, ankles, lower back, inner thighs. Um, it's really good for your pelvic floor, which naturally lifts up and contracts when you squat down. So doing all those things in, in, in order to be able to be in a squat, you have to have that health and mobility. The rest of us tend to lose that. It's something that I teach in my classes all the time and my other teachers here teach in their classes is just basic squatting and everyone always goes, I can't get my heels down, I can't get my butt down. How would I ever do that? And we always say, you used to be able to do that when you were a little kid, you just lost that ability over time. So from what I understand, chairs were an invention by British, like some queen, probably um, mm. Queen Victoria, because that was when a lot of like sort of negative things mm. were invented, like marriage. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Um, I know a lot about Queen Victoria. Yeah, she invented marriage, right? I read like a whole biography about her. Yeah, she was like all about the rules. I don't know about... I think she invented like marriage laws. She was also the first person to wear white uh, wedding dress. Oh, yeah, yeah. She was, I think she was just really about purity and like... Yes. As a, as a way to organize culture. Yeah, community. and her and her husband like set like an example for the rest of yeah. the country and therefore the world. Isn't that the dawn of Close Your Eyes and Think of England? No. That's a reference to orgasm and not having orgasms. <laughs> she was <laughs> very sexually know. active. Was she? Yes. She no, had I want to read several that children. Um, and so she, 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 she like, had sex at least several times. <laughs> yes. Um, but she also just liked having sex huh, with her interesting. husband. Who was hot. Like he was young and hot. He had a mustache. <laughs> she actually made all of the men in the British army. Have mustaches? Uh, and I'm going to, you know, butcher this. It's it's probably not the British army. It's like the royal forces yeah. or something. Get mustaches because of her husband's mustache. Wow. Ultimate power. Yeah. That's exactly how I would use <laughs> that's my That's <power>. like awesome. <laughs> I'd put them all in like short shorts. Bring those back. Short shorts on men. <laughs> <laughs> so the British invented chairs. chairs. I mean, I think royalty invented chairs, European royalty, with the th idea of a throne that you're sitting above other people. Other cultures tend to uh, just be sitting on more pillows or something. <laughs> so um, there is an interesting idea of just like top-down management, patriarchy, et cetera, et cetera, about the whole idea of buying a chair. This is a long version of saying chairs are an invention. They don't work with our body. They do everything the opposite of what all the muscles that are in our bodies are meant to do. Your glutes push your hips forwards and up so that you stand. So when you're sitting, they're stretched and flaccid. They're not engaged. Your hamstrings are shortened and not engaged. Your hip flexors are constantly in a flexed position, but not doing anything. So they tend to just get really short and tight and kind of confused because if they start to tighten up and engage when you're just passive, because if you fold a muscle continuously, it's going to just think, well, I'm in my engaged position. Shouldn't I engage? Um, obviously your shoulders are going to slouch forward. Your spine is not supported anymore. It's like kind of floating into mm -hmm. your pelvis. So you're going to start to either 
round the spine, lower spine forwards or arch it uncomfortably. Um, it's just, we're, you know, it's like putting a racehorse in like a really tiny stall or something. I mean, you're just, you're forcing this body that we all have, whether you believe it or not, is really incredible, completely built to be very athletic. And you're just like smushing it into this very awkward position. And then essentially we're training ourselves to be in that position for very long periods of time. So you're training your body to sit for long periods of time and thus your body's going to adapt to it. And the adaptations start to look like short hamstrings, overstretched or very tight backs, uh, rounded shoulders, head forward position. You, you mold yourself into your desk body, your desk position. Um, so that essentially you can do desk body many hours a week with as little discomfort as possible. Um, like if you took an Olympic sprinter and you made them sit for 80 hours a week at a desk, they would be in excruciating pain probably by like the end of the first day, you know what I mean? Or day two, like they would just be like, I can't do this. Um, so then you just accumulate all this tension mixture of laxity and over tension and, um, and then you try and unfold that body and do something else with it, like go running or play with your kids or lay flat. A lot of people are so tight that it's very uncomfortable to just lay flat on their back. Mm. Um, so step one, how to sit, don't sit. That would be like the first thing. <laughs> well, there's been so don't much <laughs> like in recent years, like the emergence of standing desks. Yeah. That's been huge. Also like the, those like Apple watches or or. That, like, remind you to get that, up. That, like, vibrate, you know, every yeah. whatever to get up. Um, those things do feel like fads in a way. Yeah. I mean, I think the only way we're going to get out of this plague of sitting is if, um, you know, somehow we really redefine what offices look like and people and computers and that computers become bigger like a big wall or something or i don't know projected or they're in our eyeball or something <laughs> so that you're not always hunched around a screen um so until that happens if mm-hmm. we're still forming our bodies around objects instead of objects around bodies so that's important we're we're forming our bodies around objects mm-hmm. and tools that we're using every day instead of forming those tools around our bodies and also not to throw shade but a lot of tech people that design technology that we use are not people who tend to really love athletic pursuits wow so they're is, very interested it is but the like nerds and the jocks but, <laughs> but it is a thing in the tech world and i've heard from clients of mine that are in the tech world that like most fitness apps are like pretty crappy because people who are really excited about creating apps tend not to really be into <laughs> fitness so they're like there are way better apps for all kinds of other stuff but like fitness tracking apps or like whatever apps running apps tend to still be kind of old school looking. Um, but yeah, everybody can get mad at me about throwing shade about technology, but I just think that there's a lack of interest in like how the body works holistically and as an animal body and more of an interest of like, how can I move even less? How can, how can I just sit at my desk and have like food that I don't even need to chew and my computer screen, I just talk to it. And like, that seems to be this idea of the human evolution. Like we're just a brain instead of like, animal body that has all these other amazing physical capabilities. Um, But super basically how to sit more comfortably. Yeah. For people who like don't have a choice until like the culture changes or like people. And we should talk about two kinds of sitting, desk sitting and car sitting. Cause there's a lot of people that have to drive a lot. Or like airplane sitting. Exactly. Travel sitting. sitting. Yeah. So all that transportation. sitting. What are things that people who have no choice, but to sit at a desk all day, what can they do other than like, you know, getting up and walking around? Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, your seat height should be at higher than your knees. So not 90 degrees to the to your knee okay. or like parallel to your knees, but higher than your knees. So your, your pelvis is higher than your knees. Your knees are dropped down. Ideally, both feet are on the floor. So crossing your legs, all that kind of stuff, having just your toes touching the floor, you want to be stable enough that your full foot is on the floor. And just raising your seat up so that your hips are higher than your knees is going to make a huge difference for your lower back. Mm. Low seat is going to really pull your spine under you and cause that back pain that people who sit a lot start to feel. Um, and then ideally you could sit towards the edge of your seat so that you're sitting up with your core and not leaning back into your seat and slouching. Mm -hmm. And so then go to a Pilates class so that you can learn how to hold <laughs> yourself up from your core, from your lower abdominals and not from your hip flexors or by arching your back a lot, but actually just sitting really upright in a really neutral position. Yeah. Um, and then making sure that your keyboard is really at your elbow level, maybe slightly below and your screen is the height of your eyeball. So you're not looking down at it. And that is usually where people really have trouble because it's very hard to organize their offices that way. But if you have to stack your computer up on a lot of books and get like a wireless keyboard, um, it, that makes a huge, huge difference so that you're not rounding over and slouching and kind of your whole body spending the whole day trying to keep you from face planting. Because yeah. even though we don't think about that, just like the weight of your head tilted just a teensy bit forward, basically the whole day your back is keeping you from just like doing a somersault into your desk. So, mm. um, and then getting up to stretch your hamstrings, stretch your calves, stretch your sideways, like reaching sideways, stretching your chest and your back, like just, just your, your four corners of your body so that you're not just in this folded position all day, every day. What are the four corners? <laughs> Front body, back body, side bodies. Okay. So stretching your chest, yeah. like bring your arms. It's behind like going your to the bathroom, yeah, and stretching because you're not gonna up. like do it in the middle of the office. I will encourage my clients to do as much stuff in the middle of their no walls offices because the more that people normalize taking care of your body, the better. <laughs> Break the stigma. Yeah, exactly. Of stretching. People are like, oh, I don't want people to see me using my foam roller, and I'm like, let everyone see you use your foam roller because then people are gonna go, that looks good. What's that? How do I do that? You just need like that one person to be like, guys, I don't have back pain anymore. Foam rolling, foam rolling on my lunch break, stretching on my pee break. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so. So in terms of stretching, do, taking those breaks. Yeah. How, what, what do you recommend people do? Um, anything with your elbows behind your chest. So you're opening your chest up. So you can do back of your palms against a wall behind you and slide your back palms and forearms against the wall. So your chest is really open. You look like you're getting arrested kind of arms up in the air, elbows mm -hmm. by your sides. Um, you can clasp your hands over your head, like what that looks like in yoga, where you're standing up tall with your arms over your head, fingertips pointing to the ceiling, and then lean over to one side, lean over to the other side, try not to move your feet. So you feel that stretch in your side waist. And then propping your heel up on your chair or if you're flexible up on your desk or something and stretching your hamstring and your calves and just opening up those big muscles that have been just sitting. And then I also really recommend like do a bunch of squats. Like you don't have to do like a hundred, do like 10 every three hours just to get the blood moving. Cause you're basically just sitting like stasis and, yeah. um, you don't have to be like doing burpees, but you can just like use your muscles to their full range, like squat up and down a couple of times. Um, and that really will have a lot of benefits. We can put those moves on the Instagram. The Instagram yeah. They're pretty simple, but yeah, simple is good. Exactly. I think a lot of people don't do that kind of miniature 
like body reset self-care because they think it has to be really intense or it has to take a long time or it has to be really like some magical prescription, but it could really be like a little two minute thing that you do every couple of hours. Um, and those actually I find have much more lasting benefits. I have a client who works a night shift once a week at a hospital and she, um, every time she goes to the bathroom, she does a bunch of squats and hangs off of like a door jam thing to open (laughs) her chest up. And she's like, my, I feel so much better since I've been doing that. And she's like, it just like every time I have to pee, I just do that. So what about the travel Travel sitting? Like, do you have any other? Yeah, that's hard because those seats are often below your knees, like bucket seats. Uh And there's like not a whole lot you can do unless you have a car where you can really like shift the seat and really bring it higher. But then sometimes your head's like, you know, on the roof, depending how tall you are. Um, because the important thing is your butt to be above your knees. Yeah, otherwise you're gonna have you're gonna be scooped under mm-hmm. your tail scooped under, which is really gonna help your hip flexors tighten up even more, which we don't want to do, and your lower back get overstretched and tight, which sounds like that can't happen, but it can happen. <laughs> That's usually where people end up really throwing their back out. Um, so sitting on something, so sometimes like actually getting a little pillow if you drive a lot, like put a pillow under your seat. Um, on your seat and I roll up like even just a t-shirt or a sweatshirt and put it at the um, base of my spine like right above my hip bones and that just lifts my pelvis up a little bit so I'm not falling back into that bucket seat Mm -hmm. and it's more like I'm sitting upright in a chair Mm -hmm. and for me that really helps my like if you have sciatica or like any SI joint sacrum stuff I have found somebody gave that to me and that has really helped me when I drive long distance and I definitely do it when I go on airplanes. Um, and if you're on an airplane, get up as much as you can or snag one of those rows where there's no one else and lay the fuck down and that don't sit. so rare though. So rare. Depends where you're flying. Yeah. Well, I've definitely had some overseas flights where I'm like, woo laying down the whole time. <laughs> when I flew to Hawaii, when there was that huge oh, volcano, yeah. lots of empty rows. So go somewhere Party. where there's like maybe a na- like recent a natural, natural disaster. disaster. <laughs> well, thanks for, I think that those are really good tips for how to sit. Yeah. Do you feel like you were employing any of those when you were office working? Uh, or not employing those? I was definitely not squatting, but that is something I would have done yeah. like, if I went, you know, going to the bathroom. And now, you know, I'm working from home, so I'm, like, sitting on my couch a lot or I'm, like, lying on my bed. Yeah. And I really need to emphasize for myself getting up and walking around and doing these things yeah. um, because I can get lost in... 100%. You know, it's it's not healthy to work from your bed, especially because in that situation, like I'm always looking down at my computer yeah. and like I'm usually totally my smushed. legs are crossed. And well, that's so, that point about yeah. we train ourselves to do weird things for very long periods of time. Yeah. So training yourself a different way is helpful. You know what time it is? Q and A time. It's Q and A time. Yay. Uh, So normally we're going to take questions from our lovely audience members, which again, you can DM to at busybodypod on Twitter or Instagram, or, you know, if you come to class, just drop one on Cadence. (laughs) Submit in FaceTime. Um, You can also follow us at Brooklyn Strength, but that is the studio Instagram. So if you live in Japan... It might be more fun for you to follow at Busybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, follow both because we do fun stuff on the Brooklyn Strength we do. Instagram for sure. 
Um, so I'm just going to ask questions that I have. Yeah. And one big question I have, because I think there's a lot of conflicting advice on the internet, as always, is what should you eat before working out? Ugh. And yeah. and like how <laughs> long before working out should you eat? Like, what do you think? I mean, obviously, yeah. obviously like there's lots of opinions out there, but what do you I'm think? I'm the only one who knows the answer. <laughs> I would believe that, honestly. What do you think? Um, that is a super complicated question. Um, so a while ago I read about how long – it's a really gross word. I think it's a gross word. It's called the bolus. I think it's B-O-L-U-S, which is your food once it's in your stomach and it <laughs> turns into a bolus. To me, that just seems repulsive. It's like a fatberg yeah. <laughs> for your body. So – how long it food takes to leave your stomach and start to enter your intestine. And it literally, it's incremental. It's like a eighth of a sixteenth of an inch, like every 25 minutes or something. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm never going to eat something and go running like 20 minutes later again. That's so gross. Well, that's like the, when you're a kid and they tell you like yeah. gum will stay in your system for yeah. 20 years they or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, what's your advice on this? I mean, the interesting thing is I think, like so many things, it's really up to you. Uh, I would say not a lot of people are super body sensitive, though. So I think question if you tend to eat and then within an hour work out. If you're eating like a real meal meal, like something that would fit in both of your hands, I would call it call like a meal meal, like your cupped hands amount of food. That's like a serious amount of food um, because maybe there's some discomfort there. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I have often read of people who do ultra marathons, just literally eating pizza slices while they're running. That is a very Mm. specialized person. And maybe they don't care if they're getting heartburn because they are running a hundred miles. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) So it's like, what do you want to feel like? And what are you doing? And why are you eating your snack? And why are you working out? in relationship to each other. You know what I mean? A lot of people that are training for something will eat a very specific snack because they're going to be doing sprints and they're going to be, you know, they're going to be swimming long distance or whatever it is. So they have like, I eat this and I do this. Um, for me personally, I don't really like working out early in the morning. Um, and if I do, I don't really like working out on an empty stomach. I know a lot of people do like that, but I think you know, for it. me, it's 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 not where my body clock is. Yeah. So if I do take a class early in the morning or if I'm going to go running in the morning, I'll at least eat like a banana or something to just kind of like wake my system up. I guess that's what it feels like to me. Um, but generally, if you're just a regular old person working out, a nice mixture of carbohydrates and protein and fat is like your usual thing. So like peanut butter and an apple, yogurt and fruit, like all those like age-old kind of snack things mm-hmm. um the harder something is to digest the longer it's going to take um and our body does put resources where it's needed so if you're digesting like um you know some really heavy protein heavy fat heavy meal um that just takes longer to break down and enter your bloodstream not that any of those things are negative um your body's devoting resources to that and not towards your like weightlifting hour that you're about to do. So liquid smoothies, it's already pre-broken down. It's mm-hmm. basically pre-digested. 
To be clear, this podcast is not for ultra marathon runners. Yeah, exactly. We want you to stop listening right now. <laughs> if you've ever run an ultra marathon and eaten pizza at the same time, turn off your AirPods. <laughs> delete this podcast it will only be from disappointing. your feed. <laughs> Get out of here. Run. We should not just have away. one of them on. Um. Okay, I have another question. Unless, yeah. do you have no. any more thoughts? Okay. Because we're, this is geared toward busybodies like yeah. you and me, if I only had time for one workout a week. Oh, my God. Like, if I literally in my whole week there was only yeah. one hour I could fit in, what do you think I should do? Strength training. And, like, what kind of strength training? Like Old school a lot of people are going to love me. People that love like old gyms, like yeah. old school metal gym weightlifting, deep mm. squats, bench presses, deadlifts, overhead press snatch stuff. Because in order to do those things, you have to build a certain level of mobility. Hardly anyone does enough strength building, especially women. They're always worried about losing weight. There's way too much cardio. If you're really lifting weights, you're going to get your heart rate up. It's not the same as running sprints for sure, but the benefits of building muscle on everyone's body is going to aesthetically, if you're worried about your aesthetics, you're going to do much more transformation um, in changing your body composition. So building muscle, the building of the muscle will help you lose fat without you having to think about it. Um, And then just bone density, you know, your joint health, your ability to walk around the world and feel strong and capable People are just not doing strength training, I mean, women particularly. Um, But even men who tend to just throw it in like, oh, I just got to do my upper body or that whole kind of thing. And there's not a balance to it. That's all the questions I have for you this week. But I want people to send more questions in next week. Um, Yeah, Jess will look through your questions and choose the winners. And each winner will get an answer. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Great episode, I think. (laughs) Agreed. So you can follow us online at BusybodyPod, Instagram and Twitter, or at Brooklyn Strength, as an aside. I'm Cadence Debuse. I'm Jess Testa. This is Busybody Podcast, and this podcast is produced by Sarah Essikoff.